part two chapter twenty four of the last ditch by violet hunt this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part two chapter twenty four from the lady venice st remy edwards square i have engaged myself to be married you have heard this from mother of course but mother knows nothing of the terms and isn't to they are rather singular and i want them somehow or other put on record you dear out in america seem so safe and distant it would take you nearly a month from to-day for your protest to reach us and anyway i know i can trust you not to butt in and make trouble with mother and the relations who would all be shocked to death if they realized the sort of arrangement i have made with percy and if which is unthinkable percy should begin to jib at them or any part of them you will be able to support me by saying that i informed you of our pact and called you to witness of it beforehand it will be unnecessary percy is very good and subject to my will and sensible enough to see things as i see them with regard to our common life i have brought him to agree with my theory my knowledge indeed that my own peculiar mentality does not fit me to be the conventional wife of the conventionally demanding man which he is not he is so untrained in any form of amorous commerce that he is tabula rasa for me to inscribe my laws on you must not be shocked when i say i am not fit to be the wife of any man i don't mean that i want to reserve the right to run away or get into mischief mr gregson and i haven't signed a paper with our blood in the way boys and girls do now pledging themselves not to be jealous or take each other into the divorce court this sort of thing although they think they are being strong and cynical is merely a form of romance and neither of us is romantic enough to indulge in whimsical bloodletting. what i mean is that i have come to see that i am incapable of falling in love i shall always want to take more than i can give and it is only a very exceptional man like percy who could stand that a man who feels that i am something more to him in other ways as he does thank god my title is coming to be of some use at last it is all i can bring my husband he knows it the prestige of it will mean a good deal to him in his work i am sure he does not care for it from the ordinary snobbish point of view of a self-made man re being in love you will say as people do to a stiff-necked generation of a girl like me wait till you've been it though i have never been and never shall be in love i know what it is i am not a poet for nothing we poets have intuitions that stand us in lieu of experience we can evolve for ourselves the whole paraphernalia call up the whole gamut of passion from a chance turn of an eyebrow and a twist of a lip we can isolate the notion of love so gained in our brains and see it clearly in a vacuum we need not let it ever go beyond our brains or form the delirious quantity in us that overthrows the reason and ruins us women through the self-decreed destruction of personal identity i am sure i will not let it but it might have happened so the curse of love might have descended on me it is either my blessing or my curse that it didn't it depends how you look at it i don't think many poets have both succumbed and been able to describe their madness there is tennyson and sappho i don't know about tennyson but sappho makes a bad business of love they both can describe it better than anyone i think now eros shakes my soul a wind on the mountain shivering the oaks and tennyson's fatima oh love 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 oh withering might last night when someone spoke his name from my swift blood that went and came a thousand little shafts of flame were shivered in my narrow frame that can never happen to me 
my nerve channels are not constructed to carry messages of that kind i know it and yet i shall describe it all from end to end i am going to make a name in poetry percy doesn't care for poetry he thinks it an overrated mode of expression of a mood that is less important than people suppose but he thinks i shall pull it off having set my heart on it he is sympathetic in the only real way giving value to sensation in another that he does not share it is not two hearts beating as one but two intelligences seeing fair and giving each other room i have never even been kissed not once in my life most girls of my age and my limited facilities have been brief bird-like pecks behind doors clumsy ill-adjusted hugs in sitting out places at balls i expect my long neck as well as my coldness has saved me from that girls are bustled into submitting to that sort of thing very often i suspect from shyness and shock but i cannot imagine bending down to receive a kiss except with premeditation and the other kiss the grave deep kiss of passion percy might give me that if i wished i suppose but i don't wish it even as an experience i shouldn't like him so well if i was not quite sure that there was no chance of it the truth is i cannot imagine myself wanting it from any one not even audley and from him it would not outrage me so much i am not quite immune from audley i do believe it hurt me somehow all down my spine when i saw him kiss ida on the platform that night when we saw him off for fordingbridge jealousy of mother's audley impossible yet i sometimes think if i were going to have a child going through all that awful struggle i should like audley to be there holding my hand i shall never have a child by the one man so i can never make that outrageous demand on the other to kiss percy would be like kissing a popular edition or a packet of grocery laura you can see by the way i am writing that although i am sure that percy is of my way of thinking in these matters more or less it is the less i am afraid of i want to lay the whole notion of our alliance its object its motive before you so as to ensure your moral support supposing percy should ever try to go back on it in ever so little but he won't i will not say he is a man of honour but he is at least a man of his word he has a certain standing in romance for me or i should not do this like enjolras my ideal hero in les miserables he puts ambition before love don't you remember enjolras was loved by eponine and when he is shot on the paris barricade he is murmuring the name of his mistress patrie the mistress of percy is his country my lover i suppose is my art you will say that it is a dreary lookout for us both i don't think i shall find it so nature is enough for me with a big window on life which i command through my mundane sympathies i believe i am a prig i know mother's friends say so there is something to be said for a prig who knows she is one percy and i will do some good work together he will supply the solid algebraic formulas the theories which i shall popularize to the weaker vessels by my facile pen presenting the romantic aspects of his propaganda and perhaps by thus giving myself loveless to the wheel of my country i shall be doing my bit as well as the boys my inadequacy in this respect has always hurt me i have had to watch all the other girls the clever ones as well as the able-bodied working hard and good in the service of the nation and in these days milton's panacea for lazy people the standing and waiting seems singularly ineffective i have found that i cannot sew bandages hoe turnips milk cows or act scullery-maid in hospitals i have searched and found a new medium 
and i am willing to surrender all the chances of my emotional life so as to stand and serve at percy's side now i will stop being serious and begin to tell you about the things that don't matter i suppose you realize that mother has consented to my engagement with less fuss than i expected at any rate with no positive opposition percy has a curiously effective cajoling way with him and mother is such a born flirt and mrs audley so much in that capacity that she can't resist any man who takes the trouble to put his head on one side in speaking to her she has always all her life made the running even with my lovers and been more accessible to them than i could manage to be and she's going to do my spade work for me as regards percy's personal appearance and manners she's going to persuade him to wear his hair shorter and give him numberless little hints about how not to behave in drawing-rooms percy has so much sense that he gives way in trifles always and is polite enough to let mother think that he is profusely grateful to her for taking an interest in him his manners and his appearance i like this about him it is strong so she cultivates a pleasant mirage that i may yet end as the wife of a people's ambassador or president of labour she has now got it well into her head that the future of the world is with democracy and yet in her own procedure she is as reactionary as ever she will go down on her knees to clear up any mess i may have made on the floor with papers or flower stalks or what not to spare the perfectly indispensable servant but she sent away that very servant the other day because the girl forgot to address her as my lady percy was amused he said she was cutting off her own nose to spite her own face that she would get no better only worse as time went on for rudeness not terror was the order of the day it was surely preferable for aristocrats to be cheeked than to have their heads cut off as in the recent revolution in france percy in his relations with mother amuses me he is so nice to her and so rude to her just like audley it is the curse of all mother's men you see i am so used to mother's monopolizing that i even call my percy mother's out of habit another time he told her she was a remarkable instance of the staying power of the old order which had enabled them to remain so long in the saddle and would still if we would only be careful then plus ça changera plus ça sera la même chose he promised her in beautiful french with an english accent he will have it that it is not incumbent on an englishman to seek to acquire a french accent a frenchman doesn't pay us that compliment he thinks it enough for us if he makes himself understood percy is perfectly acquainted with idiomatic french and slang although he has only been on the continent once for a month it is a sign of his intense adaptability mother swaggers on his praise i don't know if he means it as praise altogether he says that she that we are all extraordinary we last ditchers that we haven't altered a gesture or a phrase or a convention we have stuck to our elevated platform even though it is hollow underneath with the proletariat crouching below working at their plots and mine laying perhaps he says the platform will never go it is of old and seasoned wood and may prove strong enough to bear us up supreme on top of the welter we are light and our numbers so inconsiderable our boys going out so bravely has saved us they gave the lead as of old and it will be counted unto us for righteousness mother wept when he said that and presently recovering herself remarked with her usual naive frankness as if she expected percy to say thank you and i am giving you my daughter with your permission he replied bowing she descends from the platform craning her long neck to this fellow in the cellarage 
perhaps it will be the other way mother answered with spirit venice may succeed in pulling you up and making you prime minister but i don't myself think that percy will ever be prime minister of england though he is nearly clever enough to be anything he likes he lives too fast in the respectable sense he will be worn out long before he is thirty he travels incessantly doing the work of six men and thinking nothing of covering the british isles in the course of a week and even if he lives he hasn't got the presence he can't acquire it in the time i'm not blind to that mother is she doesn't know a gentleman when she sees him out of her own class she never did she ought to have a cadometer fixed to her belt ida used to say in the old days when she filled the house with modistes and photographers and blackleys and so on without an eye to their status in their own world for there are shades sometimes i think it is a pity she isn't going to marry percy instead of me i can see so plainly that his undeniable good looks are not the right sort of good looks there is too much of them for one thing they are too riotous too popular his opulent chevelure gives him away there's a bit that sticks up in the middle he doesn't brush it enough poor dear he never has time and doesn't care to make it his face is too expressive for good form not like audley's blankness which he wears habitually like a garment audley accepts percy in the engagement too in a wholesale way that irritates me he came up on leave the other day and shook hands with my fiancee mother was eyeing him the while to see how he took it as if he would let her or anybody see before he left that night he had offered percy brightsome glen for the honeymoon i was cross if audley knew and i would tell him if he asked me only i never have a word with him alone percy and i are not going to have a honeymoon at all though percy was too flustered at the time to refuse the offer of one of his houses we are going straight into our two flats in the same block with opposite doors so that we can close them to each other and live apart altogether the moment we feel the slightest desire to do so which will be all the same really only i must not spring that on percy all at once the canteen arrangements dining-room and kitchen will be on my side and the smoking-room and study will be on percy's he can ask his political friends he has no others poor dear in without reference to me and my likes and dislikes some of his friends that i have met are a little too pacifist for me two of them are conscientious objectors of nineteen one of them philip champion was a nice boy he sat at my feet and imbibed corrector principles there he enlisted and got killed it was a pity as it has turned out that i didn't leave him where he was safe in dartmoor with these people it is just a case of mary and martha percy says whether a man chooses to be one or the other the marys are the romanticists who seek to gratify man's universal desire next to love of going out with a weapon and downing something or other the marthas stay at home and look after the house clear up the morals and wash the feet and heads of the next generation percy doesn't object to either choice but what he does think wrong is jimmy fares on the dover patrol keeping mother in whiskey for which she pays no duty and other sly little services which she is always getting people to perform for her it is no use percy fulminating he won't cure my mother of her ruling passion for acquiring at a slight reduction no matter what article or how little and she is great at using influence she visits the war office very often she is trying i believe to tamper with audley's future as a soldier her object is to keep him from going out on the other hand he uses influence to be dispatched quickly and renders her efforts such as they are null poor mother he will be going soon 
we have been twice to see him at hart le pool mother ilsa and i there was a dance given for the officers to see audley solemnly dancing the fox-trot was almost too much for me yet i realized that my percy could not have done it he could never have carried it off audley dances just because it is the thing for an officer to do he forces himself to perform tasks and go to places that would have bored him to death in the old days he attends stock company performances at the local theatres sees stale musical reviews with pleasure and hums the tunes all day and gives supper to the little underpaid roving actresses he does everything soldiers do but flirt so far as i could see and perhaps he does that too he gave mother a lucky bean some girl had sent him for a christmas present and one day mother picked a grey handkerchief embroidered daisy in pink out of the pocket of his british warm and a couple of left-hand gloves how ilsa teased him she was crying her heart out on your shoulder i suppose she said no i borrowed it from daisy dear because i had a cold audley said i always have a cold and i never have a handkerchief look here's another gauge the handkerchief he took out of the pocket of his tunic had a coronet on it mother suggested that she should collect them and have them washed and sent to the respective owners audley said she could do as she liked but what was she going to do with the two left-hand gloves and as for the lucky bean he begged her to stick to it end of part two chapter twenty four recording by expatriate in bangor maine